Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of 1 Samuel, looking at 1 Samuel chapter 13. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I begin reading in verse 1. Saul lived for one year and then became king. And when he had reigned for two years over Israel, Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and the hill country of Bethel, and a 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gebeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent home, every man to his tent. Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines that was at Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard it said that Saul had defeated the garrison of the Philistines, and also that Israel had become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were called out to join Saul at Gilgal. And the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops like sands on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of beth When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble for the people were hard-pressed. The people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan into the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, Bring the burnt offerings here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself to offer the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal. The rest of the people went up after Saul to meet the army, and they went up from Gilgal to Gebeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people who were present with him, about 600 men. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, and the people who were present with them stayed in Gebeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped at Michmash. And raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned toward Afra, toward the land of Shual. Another company turned toward Beth Horan. And another company turned toward the borders that looks down on the valley of Zeboam toward the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines had said, lest the Hebrews make themselves swords and spears. 
But every one of the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen his plowshare, his mattocks, his axe, or his sickle. And the charge was two-thirds of a shekel for plowshares and for mattocks, and a third of a shekel for sharpening axes and for setting goats. So on the day of the battle, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hands of any of the people with Saul and Jonathan. But Saul and Jonathan, his son, had them. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. As this chapter begins, the first sentence is kind of an odd one. And depending on what translation you're looking at, it may say something very different. And part of the reason is because there seem to be words missing out of the original manuscripts. And it happens to be the words for the numbers that let us know how old Saul was and how long he reigned in Israel. Based on clues that we can find elsewhere in the text and historical notes, it seems that Saul was about 30 when he became king and reigned for around 40 years. We even see that mentioned in the New Testament. So it may be that this verse was intended to read, Saul lived for 30 years and became king of Israel and reigned over Israel for 42 years. And if that is the intent, it may actually fit better with the previous chapter, where it kind of ties a bow on the events of that chapter. And so then we see this next story picking up with Saul choosing 3,000 men. That wouldn't have been all of the fighting men of Israel, but it was probably a select company of people who were mighty men of valor, kind of Saul's special forces. And this becomes the precursor for a battle that we'll actually read about in the next chapter. But as we read this chapter, we see things going wrong. We see Saul getting in trouble by the end of it and actually being told that the kingdom would be ripped away from his family. And maybe even as we read through the chapter, you thought Samuel is overreacting here. Nothing seems to be that bad. But as we see oftentimes in Scripture, God takes sin more seriously than we do. He absolutely covers it more effectively than we can, but he takes very seriously the things that he's asked people to do. And so it may do us well to kind of figure out what goes wrong here. What are the mitigating circumstances and where is God at work in all of this? First of all, what does Saul get wrong? Well, it seems that this choosing of 3,000 men was an exercise that he undertook on his own. Very often when we see kings going into battle, we see a record of them going to the priest and inquiring of God how they should go about it, or God appearing to them and giving them instructions about how they should move forward. We're not given that kind of detail in this story. And given the way Saul is handling other aspects of the story, I don't think it's too big a stretch to think that this may be something that he thought he needed to do. I think that thought is reinforced when we think about the fact that they start scattering and leaving and he panics. But Samuel still lets him know that he did something wrong. And it may have started even before he offered the sacrifice. It may have started when he chose these people to begin with. See, the Philistines had not gathered for a battle. They didn't gather until Saul gathered his forces and they struck the outpost at Geba. And even in that, we don't see any direction from God about whether or not they should go to Geba and how to fight that battle. Again, it seems to be something that Saul commissioned on his own. 
Then after the Philistines do assemble and are ready to fight an all-out war against Israel, Saul knows that sacrifices need to be made. He knows that he will have to have God on his side if he's going to win. So he tries to invoke God on his own because he gets impatient and anxious and doesn't wait for Samuel. The problem is he didn't have authority to make these sacrifices. He had been told by Samuel how this should play out. And because the men he had chosen were scattering, he felt the pressure to offer the sacrifices himself. That lack of patience, not waiting on God, not waiting on Samuel to come and do the things that God had asked him to do, all got in the way. And it seems to have started from Paul's decision to pick a fight with the Philistines without seeking God's guidance. And as we read this narrative, it may not seem that bad to us. It may not seem like he did anything extraordinarily bad. So why was it so bad? Why is he going to have the kingdom ripped from his grasp because of these actions? Well, one, Samuel says it's because you didn't do what God said. God asked you to handle things a certain way, and you chose not to do it. You didn't listen to his words, and you didn't trust his words enough to do them. You did your own thing. But Samuel also lets us know that that is just a symptom of a bigger problem. His real problem was that his heart wasn't right. And that's why he ends up losing the kingdom, because God wants someone to sit on that throne as king that had a heart for him. That should help us understand that when we're having difficulty doing the things that God wants us to do, when we keep giving in to temptations to do things that he's asked us not to do, that it's not just a question of whether or not I have enough willpower to accomplish those things. It's whether or not I've allowed God to condition my heart so that I want to do what he wants and avoid the things that cause problems or bring destruction to my own life. I do think that it's worth noticing here that Saul didn't just wake up one day and say, I want to do bad things and make God mad. I know what God said, and I want to rebel against him because he makes me angry. That is not the problem that Saul had. But when he was affected by his circumstances, when there were consequences to the choices that he made, and they appeared to be overwhelming to them, he tried to find his own way of escape rather than trusting God. Here, Saul is affected by the enemy, by the Philistines, because the Philistines come and surround them. They post troops in different cities around the locations that Saul has posted troops. And then the enemy tried to set the terms of engagement by sending out different companies of people in different directions, trying to set the terms on which the battle would be fought. Our enemy, Satan, can still affect us in very similar ways. He can make us feel overwhelmed, feel like that we're surrounded, besieged by bad circumstances, and we have to make a decision right now. And because it's not clear to us what God wants us to do in that moment, we end up trying to make our own pathway out. We end up trying to save ourselves rather than trust God and do what he says. The enemy will provide us with multiple options of how to get out of our trouble, but the problem is choosing one of the enemy's options is never going to be God's option. We can't listen to the noise that comes from the world about how to handle our problems. We have to be patient and listen to God and respond to each of those troubles in the way that God would have us do it. He has promised us an escape and salvation, but that comes when we trust him enough to do it his way. In this story, there is also a great sense of hope. 
there is a reason for optimism moving forward. Even though the consequences of Saul's choices are going to end up causing him to lose something that was very important to him, God does not pass a final judgment on him in this moment. God actually helps him win this battle in the next chapter and and brings him through, gives him a chance to get his heart right, to get back on the same page with what God wants from a king. But in getting to that point, we should learn a lesson about how we interact with God and end up avoiding these uncomfortable situations to start with. Number one is turning to God should be our first instinct, not our last resort. Here in this story, Saul did not seek God's favor until he was completely surrounded by the enemy, felt overwhelmed, and didn't see any other way out. Up until that point, he had been making decisions on his own under the assumption that God would be okay with it since God made him king. As Christians, we're told that we're a royal priesthood and a holy nation. We've been given a special identity and connection with God as a result of our decision to trust in Jesus. But because we enjoy that favor, we can't assume that God is going to be okay with everything we choose to do. If we truly have put our trust in Jesus, we are going to trust the things that he taught us enough to put them into practice, to do the things that he asked us to do. In the same way that he asked Saul to wait and let Samuel take care of the sacrifices, there are times that God tells us to wait until circumstances are prepared for the situation he wants for us. But that becomes more clear to us if we've turned to God from the beginning, when we don't muddy the water by making bad choices that God has to bail us out of. We need to understand that we don't have to find a way to rescue ourselves from any of the trials of this world. God will provide a way. He will rescue us. But we turn to Him and approach Him on His terms to experience that salvation. Another downside of using God as our last resort to get ourselves out of trouble is that in the midst of that stress and anxiety, we seldom can remember the things that God has told us already. We don't always recognize the guidance that he's already provided. Saul will have this problem several times throughout his reign as king. He will think that God is not listening to him and not providing him with guidance. And the problem is that God has provided guidance. God has said exactly what he wants Saul to do. The problem is he didn't listen when God said it. He didn't put into practice the things that God wanted him to from the beginning. So he looks for a different solution after the walls start closing in around him. We need to recognize the guidance that God has already given us. It will keep us out of these situations where we feel like we have to make an emergency decision on our own and not be able to wait on God, because if we're listening to him every step of the way, he's put us in a place to succeed, not in a place to fail. He will take us to a place of triumph, not defeat. It's much easier on us and our emotional and spiritual well-being if we listen to God ahead of time before we get into trouble and avoid the trouble altogether than to create a problem doing things on our own and keeping our fingers crossed that he'll get us out of it. Because just like Saul learns in this chapter, not doing things God's way will always cost us. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app 
You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. 